You guys can um, grab your seats this morning. I um, started laughing when Pastor John said the, the praise for heaviness statement because for two mornings in a row, God's woken me up with that song. Sometimes he does that. And I woke up and I was like, why can I not get this song out of my head? Praise for heaviness. And we've been speaking about joy over the last three, four weeks as we go through the book of Philippians. But I really just felt uh, that there were some people in here today and joy seems like a distant uh, thing for you. And that you found yourself under heaviness. The, the translation of heaviness in the Bible is actually uh, depression. And I just wanted to take a moment to pray with some of you right now, just really quick. The Bible says in uh, Isaiah 61.3, it says the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, meaning that there is an antidote for heaviness and it's praise. The other thing I wanted to just mention in that before I pray is that it's a spirit of heaviness. See, I am medical. I understand that there is brain chemistry changes with depression and I understand that it's a medical condition and all that, but its root is spiritual. The one thing that I realized that some of these things, uh, to shift some of these things, is when you start realizing that you're not fighting against yourself or a medical condition, but that it's actually a spirit behind that thing. And so with every eye closed, I just want to take a moment right now. If you have felt like you've just been under a heavy blanket, you get up in the morning and you don't like how the day is going to look, I just want your every eyes closed. This has nothing to do with anyone else. I just want you to raise your hand and I'm going to pray with you. This is for the people that have really struggled to find joy, have really struggled to find happiness. I'm going to pray with you and then I'm going to give you some homework. Father, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus and I take authority over the spirit of heaviness. I break your power now in Jesus' name. I command every demonic spirit of heaviness and depression to go in Jesus' name. I command you come off these people. I command that you return to the place that you came from in Jesus' name. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that in exchange for heaviness, that a garment of praise and joy would come upon these people today in Jesus' name. For every person at home who's battling depression and heaviness, I pray right now, release joy into their living room. Release joy to wherever they are right now. Fill them, Holy Spirit, to overflowing in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. You guys are amazing. I said I'd give you some homework a little while ago. It would be about a year, I think, Pastor John preached a message, um, Overcoming Intimidation. I think it was a series, but in it was some homework called the R's. There was repentance and renounce, and you'll, you'll have to go and do your homework. I can't remember them. Release. Thank you. They, they all start with R. It makes it easy. But anyone who put your hand up right then, I have homework for you. Go and watch those things and apply them. Even though it's talking about intimidation, that applies to any spirit that we face. I have had seasons in my life where I've had to go through those things every day. Just ask simply, Lord, I come out of agreement with heaviness. Lord, I choose today to not live under it. I repent for agreeing with that spirit and I release it today. And then you can stand in your God-given authority that Pastor John was talking about and tell that thing to go in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, as you apply this to your life, you will find that that heaviness will leave and a sense of lightness and peace and joy will come in. Amen? Amen. Well, let's get into the Philippians series. We have this loud and colorful thing behind me, the secret of joy. What we've noticed as we've gone through the letter of the Philippians uh, that Paul wrote to the Philippian church is that there's this overarching theme of joy. We've discussed how this joy comes from a few things, living on mission, 
choosing to rejoice and through divine connections. And I'd just encourage you if you haven't heard any of those messages over this last month, they're all available on YouTube, podcasts, all those places. So go and get stuck in. But today, I just want to do a quick recap before I get into the secret of joy is found in knowing Jesus. So Paul the Apostle was the one who wrote this letter as we've been discussing. And Paul wasn't always a radical believer. He wasn't always a radical servant of God. He was once a persecutor of the church, as we've been aware. His name was once Saul, and he, with great zeal and passion for God, persecuted the church, not knowing that the one he was persecuting was God himself. And what he found was he had a head-on collision with God, as so many of us end up doing. And he was on his road, on this road to a place called Damascus, um, to go and arrest Christians and persecute them. And uh, ultimately, he would even see some be killed. But on this road, he found himself in this amazing encounter with Jesus Christ. And instantly, his life was changed. He soon found out that the person that he was persecuting was actually God himself, Jesus Christ, and that Jesus was who he said he was. If you have your Bibles, you can read that story in Acts 9, and I'd encourage you to do so. But the reason I like Paul is because I can relate to him. I said this to um, our night service a couple weeks ago. Unlike the other disciples who walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, spent time with him in person, Paul didn't. And why that inspires me is because I see this amazing man writing letters to churches, talking about Jesus, speaking about Jesus, talking about knowing him. And this person has the same opportunity to know Jesus as we do. You see, Paul's relationship with Jesus began when Jesus had ascended into heaven like ours today, meaning that every experience that Paul had with Jesus is available for us as well. And that's why I love reading about what Paul writes, because yes, I love hearing about John and and how he had his personal close relationship with Jesus, but I can relate to Paul for that reason. And so I want to encourage you today, maybe you've never had that moment where you have an encounter with Jesus like Paul, but you can have that moment today and we'll We'll pray that prayer later. But I just wanted to start by just saying that Paul is the original Jesus freak. Hey, I love this. In Acts 9.20, this is after Paul's encounter on the road to Damascus. It says, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying he is indeed the son of God. Immediately, I love this. Paul gets knocked off his donkey or his horse or whatever he was riding. He gets blinded for a few days and immediately he gets his sight and he starts preaching Jesus. See, Paul was passionate about Jesus Christ. Paul was so aware that his source of joy and life came from Jesus that we see this wild statement in the letter of Philippians. And if you guys have been reading it, you would have read this scripture where Paul has this moment where he's not sure if he should actually live or die. And that seems crazy to us. But if you become so aware that your life source and your joy comes from Jesus, it makes sense to think like Paul was to say, you know what, it is kind of better for me if I'm being selfish to actually die. Why? Because I'm with Jesus forever in a place of peace, no pain, prosperity of soul and spirit. It makes sense to think like he is. But as we learned a few weeks ago, God calls us to live on mission. And so Paul says, well, you know what, for your sake, not for my own, I'm going to live on mission until it's the day that I go and be with Jesus. But that's Paul's mindset. He's so in love with Jesus, so aware of Jesus that To win is to die or to win is to live and he doesn't know which one to do and we can have that same mindset today. It's pretty wild. But our passage this morning comes from Philippians 3, 4 to 10. It's quite a long thing so you guys have to lean in, keep concentrating 
<laughs> I sometimes open parts of a textbook and just start reading and then I find myself just like sitting there and I was like, I can't even remember the first word that I like read. Does anyone else get that? Sorry, I'm like going a bit like that now. I do think sometimes I had, uh, I actually, I was going to say, I, I think as a child I had ADD, but I think it was a blessing, right? I don't know. I just had this ability to just concentrate on 10 different things at once, but I'm not sure if I did any of them well. Anyway, I'm spiraling here. Philippians 3, 4 to 10. I don't know where I was going with that. Though I myself have reason, this is Paul speaking, for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Paul's saying, hey, he's talking about people who are basically saying, if you want to follow God, you've got to do this, this, this. And Paul's saying, I did that, that, and that. And I did it perfectly. He goes on to say, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under law, the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, everything I count as loss because of the surpassing worth of Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from law, but that which comes through faith in Christ and the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. It's a lot to swallow, but what I love about this and really the picture I get as Paul saying this is, more than often there would be a scribe writing down these letters and Paul sitting in a prison at the time of writing this. And I can see him as he's sharing chapter one and chapter two and he gets to this point and he starts to just reflect on his life. And he's like, I did everything right by the book. I was a Pharisee. They were the pinnacle of the public eye. They were the most popular because they were the source of God's word for many people. Back then, many people couldn't read. Many people couldn't understand the scriptures and so they depended on Pharisees. So they were very popular people. They were very respected. And Paul's just reflecting on this moment of his life as a Pharisee, of his life of someone with wealth, his life as someone with social status, his life as someone with seemingly everything. And he stops and he just says this amazing thing that I count it all as garbage compared to knowing Christ. The word it uses for garbage is a fascinating one as well. When you translate it to the Greek, it literally means dung. So Paul's saying, I count everything as, as crap, if I can say that. The other, the, other, the other definition for it is the refuse or the garbage that's thrown to the dogs. And Paul's saying, if you're going to compare anything in this world to knowing Jesus Christ, it's garbage. What do refuse and garbage have in common? They're waste. In other words, if you don't have Jesus, everything else is a waste. It's a pretty bold statement to make, but from someone that seemingly had it all, I think Paul's in a position where he can say that. And I love that the place that he says this comment from is prison. Like he's in the lowest of lows and he's like, hey, you guys think I've lost everything? You think I'm in a bad place? He's like, I haven't lost anything. Everything else is garbage compared to knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. And we can come to that same revelation today. It says in John 17, 3, and this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So if the pinnacle of life and the secret of joy is knowing Jesus, then I think it's pretty important that we know how to know Jesus more, right? So 
a good question. I think it's a journey that all of us should be on. How can I know Jesus more? And whilst this isn't an exhaustive list, I just have a few points that I wanted to share today. The first one is that knowing Jesus begins with surrender and faith. It says in Psalm 51:17, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. That's the place we all begin with. We come to this place in ourselves. Maybe many of you, I imagine, have had this moment in your life. I know I have. And maybe if you haven't in here today, the opportunity will be there, like I said at the end. But you come to this place where you're like, I've tried everything. I've tried to find joy in all these different sources and I've come up short. And so you find this moment of repentance to Jesus Christ and instantly what happens is your heart becomes alive. I love, Vivian, you put it perfectly. For the first time in my life, I saw light. It's like you've been walking in darkness, not seeing anything all these years and you, and you invite Jesus in and for the first time you see. And that opportunity someone will have today. But if you've had that opportunity, that's the first part of knowing Jesus. The second, and I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this, is that daily we surrender and turn from our old ways. Philippians 3, 7 and 8. I'll just reread them. It says, Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Paul's saying, whatever gain I had in my old life, whatever level of influence, whatever thing that I thought I had going on, it's all garbage. In other words, what he's turning from his old ways and he's saying, hey, Jesus, I discount all of that, that I may have you. You see, he turns from those that he may know Christ. And that's the same decision that we have every day to surrender. Every day I come into my quiet place and I say, Jesus, I'm not much, but here I am. And Lord, I put everything every day on the altar before you. I'm doing medical school right now and I love it. But Lord, if you want me to quit that, I quit. If you want me to do something else, I'll do something else. Why? Because compared to knowing Jesus, everything is garbage. And it's not that he wants you to give up everything. He just wants you to be willing to give up everything. And when we come to that place, it's like Jesus comes in and he's like, oh, they get it. And the thing is, Jesus can rightly ask for that. Because the Bible says that he gave up everything for us. So it's not like he's being selfish. You know what I mean? He's walked the walk. He's gone before us. The Bible says that he gladly laid down his life for us. And so now we gladly lay ours down for him. You see, I once thought the pinnacle of life was academic success, was becoming a doctor, was financial gain, was achievements and money and all these things and I put all my efforts and all my energy and everything into those things but what I found was that I would only ever have fleeting happiness it'd be happiness for a moment happiness for a week happiness for a day but then we all come to that place where we're like what are we doing what is all of this for and it was in that moment that finally at the age of 21 I was like if God is real then I want to know him and you know what's amazing in that moment of laying my life down, I found supernatural joy. I found a joy that's not dependent on everything going right, but a joy that's dependent on one thing that doesn't move, that does not change. It says that Jesus is a rock. In other words, he's firm, he's a foundation. So when everything gets shaky around you, joy doesn't move because you're standing on the rock. The second point. Actually, I just wanted to share something. I wasn't going to share this, but this is how relatable Jesus Christ is and what I mean. I was having just a terrible day the other day. I was driving my car and doing what so many of us do, and I was literally verbally complaining. 
to myself in my car. I was like, I literally, I remember I'm driving and I'm like, God, I haven't studied well today. I haven't been a good husband. I've been completely like not present anywhere I've been. And I was just complaining and complaining and complaining. And so often he does these things. And I just hear this. I don't know how to explain it any other way. It's like a, a deep, gentle voice like in your belly. And I just heard him just whisper and he just said, but you spent time with me this morning. And I'm like, and I just stopped and I'm driving and I'm like, it just, it just made me pause for a moment. Yeah, my day was going rubbish, but I started it with him. And because of that, like him, just, just me knowing that Jesus was delighted in my day because I began it just sitting with him and praying and speaking to him. Instantly, I'm like, you know what? The rest of the day went rubbish, but it's a good day. Why? Because I got to do that. Amen. And I just wanted to ask a question of you guys this morning. What is it in your life that may be blocking you from knowing Jesus more? Maybe you've been unwilling to surrender something to him. The day I got accepted into medical school was the day that I chose to lay it down. And I'm telling you, so many times it seems like if we hold on to something, we're going to be okay when Jesus is just asking us to lay it down. But in a moment that you lay it down, Jesus isn't concerned with taking everything from you, like I said. He wants to give it back to you and more. He just wants your whole heart. And so what is that for you today? I'm telling you, these are the things that block us from knowing Jesus more. And I want to ask you today, search your heart. Is there something you're not willing to let go of? You see, Paul recognized that to live sold out for Jesus is to live. In other words, when you're not living sold out for Jesus, you're not really living. And I can, I can testify to that. It's only been since I've been like, Lord, my whole life is yours, that I have found joy all the time in every season. And it's an eternal well. I love this in Luke 17, it says, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you let your life go, you'll save it. And that's exactly what began to happen in my life. And I imagine so many of your lives as well. The third point about how to know Jesus more is that we allow him to change us. John 14, 21 says, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them. And what? Reveal myself to each of them. You see, if we want to know Jesus more, we have to allow him to change us. The way I see it is like two sides of one coin. As we allow him to change us, we more clearly know him. And as we more clearly know him, he changes us. You see, it's like the two happen simultaneously. So what happens is you, you sit down and you read the word and you get challenged by it. And you say, all right, Holy Spirit, if this is what you're telling me to, I need the grace for it. And that's what happens. It's not by works. It's not religious. It's relationship. Grace means empowerment. So when I sit there and I read the Bible and something challenges me, I say, Lord, I thank you for giving me the grace to live this out today. And you know what's amazing? As I begin to live like Jesus, I begin to more clearly know and see him. But I want to challenge you today that if you don't read the Bible, how can he do that? You see, our source of eternal truth, our source of real truth is the Bible. My friends, I love reading my Bible, but I'm also scared not to. Like I said, not because of religion, but because that's the only way that I can genuinely, truly know Jesus truthfully. Not invent my own Jesus, but to know the real Jesus. And my friends, it's like I, so like I said, I'm studying medicine. When I'm treating a medical condition, I don't just Google anything and use any old source. 
right? I'm not going to go putting chamomile tea on someone's asthma or like, you know what I mean? What I'm trying to say is I look for legitimate sources. I go to websites, I go to clinical guidelines that have been verified by research that are real. My friends, the only way that we can know the real Jesus and truth is through his Bible. My friend, if you're not reading your Bible today, I must encourage you, open that thing off, blow the dust off it, and ask the Holy Spirit to help you. The fourth one is that we spend time with him. Pastor Dan preached an amazing message about prayer the other week and talking about how to have a quiet time. And I would encourage you to go and listen to that because I'm only going to talk about it for a little bit, but there was a whole message on it. You can find that on a podcast, but I want to read a verse from James 4.8. It says, come close to God and God will come close to you. Who comes close first? Right, we do, right? Come close to God and he will come close to you. I want to challenge you for ages. I was like, if God wants me, he'll come get me. That's not the way. He's gentle. He says, if you want me, come to me. And so every morning, what does that look like? It looks like, it says it in Luke, close your door, go into the secret place and your father who sees you in secret will hear you. That looks like every morning setting your alarm just a little bit earlier or staying up just a little bit later or when your kid's having a nap, you go into your secret place, you close the door and you just talk to him and it's not complicated, right? I used to think I had to pray big, illustrious prayers. In fact, Jesus rebukes people who do that. He just says, come to me as you are. Talk to me as you are. Speak to me. Commune with me and I with you. What does that look like? Like I said, we don't complicate it. It looks like putting a worship song on, praising God, speaking to him, praying in tongues, reading the Bible. All of it is spending time with him. And I want to let you uh, in on a tip that's helped me over the years, and it's to invite the Holy Spirit. It says in John 15, 26, but I will send the advocate the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and what? He will testify about me. The Holy Spirit loves to tell you about Jesus. The whole reason the Holy Spirit was sent was to testify about Jesus. And so in the morning, it's as simple as coming in when before I open my Bible or before I begin to pray, it's just saying, Holy Spirit, here I am. And I want to know Jesus more today. I want to know him as best as a man can know him. I want to know him more than Paul knew him. I want to know him. Holy Spirit, reveal him to my heart today. Holy Spirit, make Jesus my all in all. I want to see him clearly today. And as you do that, what you find is the Bible verses that never used to make sense, now they make sense. The scriptures that you used to look at and be like, what is this all about? You're like, this is about Jesus. All of it. Sometimes I feel loony when I read the Bible because I'm reading about an ark and I'm like, this is more than a boat. You know what I mean? People found refuge in it. There's a door in the side like the hole in the side of Jesus. I start reading about the manna that came down from heaven. It's circular and white and thin, fragile like Jesus's heart, circular because it's eternal, white because he's pure, tastes like honey because he's sweet. You become obsessed with Jesus. And I'm telling you, it is the most amazing place to live. No one can knock you off your like high horse of joy. And this is what Paul's saying all through Philippians. He's writing this from a prison. You know what I mean? These aren't prisons like we have today. This is sitting in dirt, mud. Sewage used to flow through the prison. And he's encouraging us about joy. You know what I mean? It blows my mind. I want to know Jesus like Paul knew Jesus. It is the thing that has changed my life the most. 
I've had moments in conferences where I've had public encounters with God, like I, just mind-blowing things. I've had moments in church where I love church and I worship Him, but nothing in all of my life has changed me more than my alone time with God. Every day, Monday to Sunday, walking into my quiet place, closing the door and saying, Jesus, here I am. My friends, He will do what He's done for me, for you. He's available for everyone. And I want to encourage you tomorrow morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, it is worth losing a bit of sleep to find Jesus that way. I just wanted to finish by sharing a very, I could preach for years on this, but I want to share one point about why we should desire to know Jesus more. John 15, 4 to 5, it says, Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Joy is a fruit. Peace is a fruit. We know the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Jesus is saying, I am the branch, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Who here knows that if you cut a branch off a vine, it doesn't bear much fruit? Its source of life is gone. Its root system is gone. Its source of flow of life is gone. My friends, when we don't cling to Jesus with everything, that's what happens to us. The reason that we should know Jesus more is because joy is impossible without Him. True peace is impossible without Him. Self-discipline is impossible without Him. But as you cling to Jesus, all of those things become possible. Your life starts to bear fruit, not because you're trying to force it out, but because you're simply clinging to the vine. See, the branch doesn't have to try to produce fruit. All it does is abide in the, branch, in the vine. All the branch does is hold on. So every morning I come in and I just say, Jesus, I'm a branch and you're my vine. And I cling to you with everything that I have. And I thank you that you're my source of peace, that you're my source of joy, that you're my source of life. I thank you, Jesus. And that's the same thing that's available for you today. In John 1, 3, it says, God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. Mark 10, 18, only God is truly good. Everything we need is found in Jesus. Someone once said that when I was a teenager and I was like, everything really but there's nothing outside of him that's good, the Bible says. It's the same as David said in Psalm 23.1. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Like I used to read that and I would question it and I'd be like, what do you, how can you say that? But it's so true that when you have Jesus, everyone can take everything else away from you and you can still have everything. It's what David said in the Psalms and as I was reading through my Bible, I just wanted to share a few revelations of Jesus before we come to a close. The Bible says that He's our love, that He's our joy, that He's our hope, our high priest who prays for us. He's our peace. He's our light. He's our rock. He's our fortress and defense. He's our insurance of life to come. He's our salvation. He's our mercy, our faithfulness, our strength, our redemption, our freedom, our identity, our suffering. He's the Christ. He's the one who gives us value. He's the cornerstone that everything's built on. He's the humble one. He's the almighty one. He's powerful beyond comprehension. He's meek. He's the Father's only sermon. He's the Lamb of God. He's the one worthy to judge and rule over all things. And He wants to know you today. 
And I just want to give you guys a moment. Let's just close our eyes for a second. This is not so much an altar call. We're going to do that in a moment, but more I would call a hunger call. If you guys are in this place and you want to know Jesus more today, more than ever before, I just want you with your eyes closed just to pop your hands out like you're going to receive something. Jesus, I just pray for every heart open right now, every person who's responding to you. I pray that you would reveal yourself to them in a way that they've never experienced before. I pray that you would come in a way that we've never seen. Pray that you would make known your ways to us. I pray that from Monday to Sunday, when we spend time alone with you, that you would fill our hearts, that we would have an eternal source of joy that never runs dry. I pray that your peace would enter every heart right now and fill us to overflowing. Jesus, we as a family love you. We as a family worship you. We as a family honor you today. And we're just so thankful that we can gather together as a family in your presence. Jesus, I pray that you would reward us with yourself today. In Jesus' name. And with every eye closed, Right now, I just want to give an opportunity to those who have never met Jesus before. As I said, the the doorway to knowing Him is a moment of repentance, is a moment of saying, hey, Jesus, I don't have it all together, but I thank you that you do. And in a moment of saying, hey, Lord, I accept what you did on the cross for me, that you lived a perfect life, that you died a death on a cross to pay for my sin, and you rose from the dead so that I can have life. If you've never prayed a prayer saying, Jesus, I repent, I ask for your forgiveness today, I put my faith in you, I want to give you that opportunity right now. And so with every eye closed, I just ask you, if you've never prayed that prayer before, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand really quick. Maybe you've prayed that prayer many times before, but you just feel distant from God and you want to pray it again. I just want to give you that opportunity also. Or maybe in this place, you're just not assured of your eternal destination. The Bible says that you can be sure. There is a peace that comes when you live in relationship with Jesus. You become so aware that if you were to close your eyes for the last time today, that you would open your eyes and you would be with Jesus forever. If you don't have that peace in your heart, you can have it today with a simple prayer of faith. And so with every eye closed right now, if you're any of those three people, you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time, maybe you want to come back to Him, or you simply want to be assured that you're going to heaven, I just want you really quick just to pop up your hand right now, and we're going to pray together. Thank you. I see that hand. I'm not going to give this a, a massive amount of time. I'm just going to wait on Jesus. Thank you. I see that hand as well. I'm not going to get you to come out, of the, out the front. This is simply a moment between you and God. You know what's amazing in this moment? Everything gets washed away. I sat in a seat like this once, filled with shame, addicted to pornography. My life was a mess, filled with pride. And I said, if Jesus can surely forgive someone like me, I'm going to give everything to him. And in a moment of prayer, I've never felt cleaner in my life. Peace entered my heart that never ran dry. And the same is available for you today. I'm going to give this one last moment. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand and we're going to pray together. 
Church, with every eye closed, we're going to pray with these couple of amazing people that raise their hands. So let's all just pray out loud as a family. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. I repent from my sin. I say sorry, and I turn to you. Forgive me and wash me clean today. I put my faith in Jesus. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and the power of God. Help me to live your way today and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we put our hands together for those amazing people? Come on. (laughs) You guys made the best decision ever. I'm telling you, Jesus is amazing. If you put your hand up just then, or even if you didn't and you wanted to, and you just want to know more about Jesus, there's a few things I want you to do. The first is we run a course here at church called Alpha. It's a safe place where you can ask questions about Jesus, where you can learn about who he was and what he did for you. The other thing I want to encourage you to do is just keep turning up to church. It's like a little ember that sits out that quickly goes out. When you place that back in the fire, it stays hot. Your relationship with Jesus flourishes in fellowship. And so I just want to encourage you today, keep coming to church. No matter what happens, be here every Sunday. And I can encourage you and I know that Jesus, uh, your relationship with him will just keep flourishing and going from strength to strength. But anyway, God bless you, church, and have a great week.